Hello, hello, and thanks for checking out episode 107 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. On this episode, we have a returning guest who was previously on episode 93 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. So feel free to dive back into the archives to hear the original interview with this individual. And so she actually pitched the idea to me to come back on the podcast to chat about mental health and athletics. And she really wanted to kind of open up and be vulnerable in sharing her story of dealing with and overcoming mental health struggles that she's had in her athletic career. And I think you'll really enjoy the insight that she provides. And for anyone who might be going through mental health challenges now or in the future, hopefully this conversation will provide some inspiration and motivation for you. So let's get rolling now with episode 107. All right, so I would like to welcome back to the Eyes Free Sports Podcast, Pearl Outlaw. And uh, Pearl is a very accomplished multi-sport adaptive athlete. And uh, Pearl actually reached out to me and pitched the idea of chatting a little more about mental health and athletics, kind of based on some experiences she's had in her life. Pearl, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me again. Definitely appreciate you kind of pitching this idea and I truly believe mental health is not discussed, you know, nearly as much as it should be just in general in our society. Um, and especially when it comes to athletics and the disability community. And I feel like it just really makes, you know, a heck of a lot of sense to have this type of conversation. So appreciate you being here for that. Yeah. It's making me chuckle. Cause I know it was a, I think it was a Facebook message after our first episode. And I, I kind of said, I feel like I, was it, everything I talked about was too good. I, I, can we redo it? I wanted to redo, but then you, I think, uh, yeah, you get some of the credit for a second episode. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, so for those who might not have heard your first appearance here on ice free sports, if you just want to talk a little bit about your athletic journey, your athletic career. Yeah. So, oh goodness. It's, it's, been a long one. I think I'm in my 10th year of sports, which is crazy. But I started in high school. I ran cross country and and then got into my first sport that I really got competitive in, which was rowing. And I joined the paranational team in 2018. That was my first year on the team. I went to, I've been to three world championships with para rowing and then in 2019 got introduced to the sport of nordic skiing or cross-country skiing and it took me a little while uh before i i kind of jumped into that as well um doing some more racing with that and i just been a let's see last winter was my first competitive season with paranordic and this will be my second so i'm still a bit of a newbie with skiing but i really love it gotcha very cool uh so let's go ahead and dive into mental health um so just talk to me about kind of when you might have started recognizing uh, some struggles that you had and just kind of wherever you'd like to start on that that journey yeah i i think i have always you know always 
had some challenges with that, with just more generally, you know, as I was growing up and partly, I think because of having a disability, there's a lot that goes into the way you think about yourself and the way you you worry about others, like what other people are thinking about you and, and um, you know, trying to navigate the things that you can do and kind of adapting when things change and everything. But really, I started to, it, it really started to affect my life. I'll, I'll say it that way, like negatively get in the way just in the last few years. And I think a little bit through college too, now that I'm kind of, I like to say I'm kind of on the other side of it and I know a lot more about myself and the, my brain and the way it works, I could kind of look back and say, oh, okay, that actually makes sense with the way that I struggled with certain things, even in college um, and high school, like just feeling like everyone around me was so composed. And, and I was always, I felt like my emotions were kind of always on the surface. And I was a very, uh, I would say I was a very fiery uh, personality when I was a, a high school athlete and a little bit of college athlete. Um, I, I kind of didn't have a filter and I was very passionate. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And I, I laugh about it now, just me as a, a little 16 year old, but yeah, it was really the pan, the pandemic. And then just the last few years where it started to really affect my enjoyment of my sport and it started to become just really hard to to get through every day and each each training session and got you interesting mm-hmm. and then uh so when did you kind of realize that you know maybe you should kind of seek seek help uh that it was really impacting you you know to that that big of an extent i think that's that's one of the things that i wish someone had told me earlier and that i um would tell someone else if they were in my shoes but i you know as an athlete you are always told and i think it also just attracts people with this personality of of like no okay i gotta power through power through and and i was going for a while just you know thinking that oh this is just kind of what it's like to be an elite athlete everybody um you know, worries all the time about whether they're, they're good enough or everyone, you know, is at practice just constantly thinking about, you know, what needs to be fixed and where they can be stronger and, um, their technique and, and, uh, in rowing in particular, you know, the other people in the boat, you know, their technique and, and these constant, um, just constantly on themselves about what could be better. And, no one, no one told me that, uh, that was not the case that you didn't have to be constantly stressed out and, uh, pretty, pretty miserable, uh, you know, Mm. during each day and each training session. Um, and so, yeah, for a long time, I think a couple years, really, I just kept pushing to, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just not mentally tough enough. I'm, I just need to be mentally tougher and have more positive self-talk and, um, all this, all this stuff you read about in sports psychology books. And I just kept pushing and pushing and just trying to do it all on my own, just with the power of my own brain and my own thoughts. And I liked it. Well, looking back on now, it's like, it kind of broke my brain. I <laughs> I put it that way. And I, and I just kept thinking, you know, okay, I just need to finish the season. Things will get better. And I just need to 
get to the next uh, training camp or, oh, okay, I just need to get to the winter when I'm skiing instead of rowing and then it'll get better. And I, I think I got to the point and it did take a few people around me saying, Hey, um, yeah, it probably isn't the best that every time we have a conversation about rowing or the schedule or, you know, that, um, you start sobbing. Um, that's probably not the, the best sign. Um, and I think I just wore myself out so much that that is what it took for me to say, okay, I think I need a break, which is not the best, not really where you want to be. You don't want to be trying to do it, do it on your own for so long that you just wear yourself out. I'm smiling as I talk about it because it, it just makes me laugh now. But in the moment it was, it was a lot. It took a few weeks for me to decide that something needed to change. And definitely talking to others was a big part of it. Um, having other people say, hey, it's okay to need to stop for a second and step away. Right, right. And that is interesting. You mentioned that others, you know, kind of initially did recognize uh, your struggles. I know a lot of people out there, you know, they have mental health challenges, but they're very much internalized. Um, but in your case, you would say that that others kind of pointed it out at some point. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was and I still am working with my same sports psychologist. And it was that and, and you know, talking it through with her and some other athletes that were actually outside of my sport. I think that helped just get somebody else's perspective. And, you know, because it's, it's nice to have teammates to talk to, but sometimes it's like, there's something nice about talking to people that have maybe been through the same experience, but not in the exact same, the exact same way. Um, but yeah. And, and then one pivotal moment was because I think people have helped without realizing it. Um, there was, this was last winter. I was at a training camp in January in Florida and I, initially was excited to go because I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I've been skiing for a while. Let me, I'll, you know, go back. This will be fun. We'll be in Florida. And for the first two days, I, and I'd never felt this way. I, I would just remember going out to practice and, and the coaches would check in every, uh, every few kilometers, you know, and I just had, there was just nothing in there. And I remember, talking to one of my teammates just saying you know because she could and i have no poker face i think that's the that's the other thing it's like if i if i'm having a day you can see it on my face i am just not the best at that <laughs> and <Sure. laughs> um and she pulled me aside and she was like hey are you are you good and i was just like i just yeah there's just nothing here and i just i can't put a brave face on um and I managed to get through that that week, but one thing that I think a lot of people don't know is that in between practices, I was at least one time, maybe more, I was just in the hallway with my sports psychologist just crying because I didn't, and I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but I just, I wanted to be happy and I wanted to be there so bad and I wanted to be a good teammate and I wanted to work hard for this sport that I used to love so much. And I just didn't know why I couldn't do it. Right. Um, yeah, I just didn't know why I couldn't turn, you know, turn my head around. And then about probably a week or two later, 
we, I got through that camp. I didn't, I didn't quit. I was kind of like, okay, I, you know, you started it. You should, you should finish it. And we had a call where we were just the team zoom call. We were just talking about scheduling and nothing even, you know, particularly stressful. And I was just so anxious the whole time. And I think the deciding moment of me taking time off was talking to another teammate of mine and asking him how I was like, uh, I don't even know if I asked him point blank, but I think we were just talking about how the meeting went and he was like, Oh yeah, I'm so, I'm so jazzed up. I'm, I can't, I'm so ready to go. I can't wait. And I was my, I just like kind of, I was like, I just feel like I want to sink into the floor and take a nap. And that's when mm. I, I asked him and I was like, do you think I need to take time off? And, um, and he said, yeah, I, I think so. I've been thinking that for a while. I can see that you've been just fighting really hard. Um, like I said, to just flip it around and yeah. So he was really supportive that, that helped a lot. Sure. Sure. I definitely appreciate your, you know, willingness to kind of take us through some of those dark moments and, and be transparent here and, um, just kind of transitioning forward. So then as far as I know, you did mention to me, you know, actually seeking professional help and I'm not sure how much you want to share, but, but feel free. Yeah. I mean, that's really why I wanted to do this episode because especially in, in interviews and talking to people, it's, you know, you're, it's, it's a lot of good vibes and happy feelings. And, and yeah, it was, it was an experience that I went through that I, I, I'm on the other side of it and I learned a lot, but um, the first step was kind of deciding, making the final decision that I'm going to take time off from rowing in particular. And once I did that and I actually was able to, I didn't, I didn't, um, I just gave myself time and I took, let's see, I decided to take the season off in February. It took me until April or May to even get back on a rowing machine at the boathouse. And then it took me until June to get back on the water in any kind of boat. And then it took me another month or two to get into a double um, the double skull, which is the event that I competed in. It took me so time helped a lot. And then at the same time, I started working with a psychiatrist and that was partially because it got better. And then I got home and I would still struggle with things. Like I'd be sitting on the couch about to go to a workout class and be going back and forth with myself for pretty much the whole day would become a, a pep a pep talk, uh, trying to get myself to get up and go to this one workout class that, and it was the only thing I had to do that day. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, I still can't do this on my own. I took a step taking time off and it helped. It got better, but I don't think this is normal either, <laughs> you know? Um, right. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I I found a psychiatrist who is really great. I really like her. She's she's we laugh about it now because it started um well, so long story short, I I found out I got diagnosed with ADHD, which was a surprise to me and it was it was it kind of snuck up on me the way my psychiatrist said she she first 
described it as just the anxiety I was feeling. She was saying, oh, it's it's similar to what someone with ADHD would experience. And then it was the next session was, oh, yeah, I think you're a little bit on that spectrum. And and then the next session was, oh, did I not tell you that I think you have ADHD? Oh, yeah, you, you do. Um, so that made a huge difference because it meant that we kind of approached my treatment and medication and all that stuff differently as, as opposed to just being like, Oh, you just have anxiety and you just have depression. Um, and I think within a week of switching up what medications I was on, I remember doing an, a workout on the rowing machine and my mind was completely blank and that had never happened before. I don't think ever. Maybe maybe I could count on one hand during my whole rowing career that that's happened, but and that was and I was sitting there thinking to myself, "Oh my god, this is so easy. This is <laughs> this is so easy." And I rowed like 15 kilometers and I was I was just I was so excited because it had never felt like that. Um hmm. and and that was one of the biggest challenges was that every training session, it would be, it would be, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. Well, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. You're too slow. You're, uh, you're not strong enough. You need to get, you need to get your arms stronger and your hands stronger and your legs stronger and blah, blah, blah. And imagine that for like two hours, uncontrollable, just thoughts about everything um, like everything and nothing all at the same time and having, yeah. And having that go away was just incredible. And a lot of those thoughts were negative. So yeah, it was a total game changer. So I am very much, and uh, you know, I tried the using the power of my own mind to heal my mind. And, um, I am, uh, I'm sorry for me, it didn't quite work very well, but, um, the power of <laughs> medication uh, is uh, in the Adderall. It's fantastic. Um, so it made a huge difference. Nice. That's great to hear. And I'm curious, those maybe who have considered seeking, you know, mental health support and seeing a mental health professional, but, you know, they kind of view it as a stigma or they don't want to label themselves as having a mental health disorder condition um, any advice to those individuals on, you know, why you'd recommend it? It, it was is definitely hard, especially I think nowadays with social media and it feels like everybody has some sort of thing going on. Everyone has a diagnosis and I know um, I, I don't spend that much time on TikTok or anything like that. I don't know what the kids these days are talking about, but I know a, a few years back it was pretty trendy to have some sort of mental health thing going on and, and with the attention deficit disorder. So me personally, I, I felt really weird saying that to people. Um, and that, it's not like I walk around being like, you know, look at me, I've got ADHD. Um, but it's, it's okay to, to say that I'm not okay. This is getting in the way of my life and the things that I want to do. And, I need I need help figuring it out. I think that's the biggest thing is that it's it's okay to admit that you're not okay and it's okay to ask for help and ask for advice and ask people, you know, is this normal? 
because I think that's that's the thing is I kept telling myself, well, this must be what everyone else goes through being an elite athlete trying, you know, trying to train at this level. It, everyone must just be miserable and they're just tougher than I am. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's not it at all. Yeah, that would be my advice is don't keep it to yourself. Don't feel like you have to. And it doesn't make you a weaker person. I think if anything, because I thought back and now that I am on the on the I know what it is and I, I'm managing it better. I look back at, you know, those three, four years and I'm like, wow, I can't even believe I made it as far as I did now that you know, the kind of thing where once you, you know, you get sick and you forget what it's like to feel good. And then once you're healthy again, you're like, oh, wow, I I was really sick. That's kind of what it is. You're like, oh, wow, I really had a lot of <laughs> gunk going on. Um, yep. Cause that, that thought too crossed my head of, oh man, if I had done this earlier, I wouldn't have wasted those, you know, those years training and going nowhere. And, and I had to kind of flip it around and be and say, no, like, it's pretty incredible that you were able to get where you got. And at the same time, you, yeah, you had all of that going on inside your head and you had no way to deal with it. Um, so yeah, I would say that too, that it doesn't make you a weaker person just because you have things going on that you don't know how to fix on your own. You don't always have to do things completely on your own. Right. That's so true. Sometimes we just get in our head way too much and realize there are others out there that have been through things and, you know, far worse than maybe ourselves or and there's, like you said, there's always someone, you know, you can usually find someone to talk to, whether it is a family member, friend, teammate, coach, um, there's somebody out there that's going to be willing to listen I'm also wondering if you learned any techniques as far as like uh, meditation or breathing exercises or anything else that you want to mention uh, just in terms of, of coping and kind of managing stress. Yeah, just this last, cause it's been, you know, less than a year since coming back and I'm, I'm still kind of coming back, but um, I've found out that nutrition helps a lot, like a lot, a lot, um, especially mm -hmm. when, when I'm, get it. Cause it used to be, I didn't really put a whole lot of priority on it. It was kind of like when I'm hungry, I'll eat something. Um, but especially protein, I find that when I'm actually tracking that and I hit, hit what my body needs, it makes, makes the anxiety way diminished, which I was surprised by. Actually, I did not even think that it was, those things would be connected, but they, they are. And I'm sure if my mom was on here, she would say, well, that's obvious because she's seen me when I'm hungry and I, I can't function. So that just, she would laugh at that. Um, <laughs> and also knowing that my, you know, instead of trying, trying to control and, and kind of force my anxiety to go away, which, cause there, I still have days where I wake up and I'm just, I feel off or I feel like something's bothering me and I, there's no rhyme or reason. And instead of trying to tamp down those feelings and that, that just sensation, I kind of, it's, it's almost like it's just a thing that's there now that I just work around instead of trying to push it away and like stuff it down and make it go away. That's 
helped a lot. I think that's, I think those are the two big ones. I, in my brain, I feel like I have, I have more, I feel like I have a whole bucket full of how I cope with it, but yeah, I think those are the two big ones. Yeah. Knowing when to take a break, there have definitely been times when not even, you know, just little mini, if I'm feeling um, stressed out, I now can kind of take a step away, take a breath, turn around, give myself a little pep talk and then go back to whatever I was doing. And I think that goes back to the, just not feeling like you have to force yourself to keep doing something when it's not productive. You can just kind of turn around, take a breath, go back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really like what you said about just kind of recognizing your emotions and it seems like you're, you're you know, much more in control of not only the recognition, but kind of how to tamp those down, what to do now, you know, versus not knowing what's causing this and getting those answers I'm sure was, was big. Yeah, a hundred percent. And having someone tell me that I don't love saying it this way, but that it wasn't my fault. I guess that is, that is how it was because for a long time I just thought I was not good at doing what everyone else could do. So yeah, having someone say like, Hey, you're, your brain's kind of funky. It's a little off right now. Um, it is actually, you know how to deal with a lot of this stuff. It's just that it's so out of control that you're not able to use those coping mechanisms that would usually help and giving it a name as opposed to like, you just don't know how to do, <laughs> do anything right. Um, yeah, that helped a lot. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So then moving on to uh, this recent event you competed in. So I believe it was the U.S. Uh, Paranordic Nationals event. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I definitely want to kind of get into you know, your current <laughs> current state of athletics in this, this recent event. Yeah. So I, it was U.S. Cross Country Nationals in Soldier Hollow, Utah. And it was a beast. I'll, I'll say that it was probably one of the hardest courses, if not the hardest course in the world. And, um, it definitely showed, especially for me, I mean, there were some really good skiers. They're like best in the world, um, have been to the Olympics and the Paralympics. And it was really cool to have, to be out on the trails with them and, and hear the way they ski. It's just, it's amazing. But yeah, so it was it was a kind of a week long event. We had a ten kilometer uh, classic ski, then a uh, sprint, a one point six kilometer uh, skate sprint, and then a ten kilometer skate at the end, um, which which was the toughest. But I got two golds and a silver. It was pretty nice. exciting. Congrats! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And just how many folks would you say were in this event? Just kind of give us a little scope of, you know, broad, broad view of the event. Yeah. So there were total, I think they said there was about 500 athletes there, kind of junior and oh, wow. senior combined. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And co-ed, I assume males, females. Yeah. Men and women. And then, and then there were, um, sit skiers there as well. And I was, uh, yeah, one of, let's see, I forget how many para skiers there were, but it was, it was cool. Cause we had a mix of able, able-bodied and para skiers. I see. Very yeah. Neat. 
And uh, so as far as those medals, I'm just curious, you know, in general, what does it mean to take home that hardware to, you know, actually win and just be successful and kind of reflecting on that just in general, whether it's this event or any other event that you've competed in and medaled in? Well, I, I hate to take away my own accomplishments, but I was one, I was first out of one and then I was second out of two. So, um, but it still <laughs> felt good to get, get a medal. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, it, it was, a, it was especially the last day, um, just the court, it was really more about finishing the course. I'd say, you know, even though, um, yeah, because there weren't, I wasn't really competing against anybody. Um, but it, it just felt really good to finish that course, especially on the last day. I, it was the way the cross country races are set up. It's usually laps. Uh, you do multiple laps of a certain distance. So the 10 K was three laps of 3.3 kilometers. And there were looking back at it with my guide, it was like, there were no flats. You were either going uphill or downhill. You were either climbing or, uh, <laughs> not climbing um but uh yeah so just finishing the course and on that last race the first lap i i was feeling really good going into it just energy wise and then as soon as it started and we started that first climb which was a really long probably like five minute climb i i just i was like oh man i do not know if i'm gonna finish i don't know if it was just fatigue from the week or or what, but I, yeah, that first lap, I was like, I might have to pull off on the side and to my coach and be like, I can't finish. And then I I had this moment of, well, I can either pull off and give up or I can keep skiing. And if I'm really this tired, I'll just eventually fall over somewhere and they'll come get me. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of had this mindset of like, okay, just ski a little further. And then if you collapse, then it's fine. You didn't give up. You, you collapse. Um, but I managed to, you know, it was like the first lap went by and I was like, ha, huh, I, I just, I don't know if I can do it. And then I made it through the second lap. And then by the time the third lap came on, I was like, I'm going to finish this, this GD race. Um, if, if I have to walk up the last hill, I'm going to finish it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so that felt really good. And I, I remember, you know, going to my coach and I was in tears. I was like, that was so hard. I really wanted to quit. That was the hardest thing I've ever done, which was the truth. And, and she just kind of let me have that and was like, you know, yeah, you can do hard things now. Um, uh, and that's kind of my running joke is like, I'm not the fastest skier, but uh, I can, I sure can suffer. I know how to suffer real well. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot Yo. of fun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yo. <laughs> and uh, so the guide you had for this event, is it someone you've had before? And just talk to me about the guide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, his name is Brian O'Neill. Um, and I met him last winter through an adaptive uh, ski group that I was training with. Um, and he, yeah, he guided me at biathlon nationals last winter, and he's actually going to guide me at a race coming up here in February in Montana. So he's, um, oh, nice. yeah, he's great. He's, he's gotten, he just wants to as much guiding as he can get, which is, um, helpful for us. Cause, um, guides are, sometimes that's the hardest part of racing is coordinating with the guide. Yeah. But I'm excited right. to race with him again. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned that in the event in Montana, anything else on the horizon, just kind of looking forward to uh, the, this year here in 2024. 
Yeah. Um, so we've got the fifth Paranordic races in uh, Bozeman, Montana in February. And then um, I'm planning on biathlon nationals again at the end of March. As far as rowing goes, I I don't know this season if I'm you know aiming for Worlds or anything like that. I kind of just want to do some more casual races um, just for fun and kind of... Um, because I found that this past summer when I was really just training for fun and I even, I, I just, you know, went to some racing with the master's team that I train with out here in Portland. Um, and it was, I just remember, I just had a smile on my face the whole time. And that was, that was even a new thing for me. I was like, I can't remember the last time I had this much fun just being out at a race Um in a long, long time. They're usually so stressful. So that's really what I'm looking forward to. Um, getting out in my single a little bit more and doing some racing just for me. And I think that's, I think that's what I'm ready for now. I don't know if I'm ready to jump back in to national team stuff quite yet, but um, yeah, whatever I'm doing, I like, I know that I like getting stronger in, you know, I like what I've been doing in the weight room. I like getting faster. I like getting out with the master's team and, and, uh, and racing. I like, I like racing. I love racing and that's what I want to do. And I want to do it for me. That's the main thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And Hey, I know you mentioned the smile on your face. <laughs> it sounds like you've definitely made a lot of headway, uh, just in terms of some of your struggles. And it's, it's really great to hear your, your success story here. You know, obviously a lot of things are kind of an ongoing battle, but it sounds like you really made a lot of progress, which is awesome to hear. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's still hard, you know, it's, it's hard to get yourself to get up and do workouts all the time with enthusiasm. I think that's a little bit of a reach to be, you know, bouncing off the walls every day, but, um, it has definitely just training has gotten so much more enjoyable. And I feel like it's some of the best work I've put in ever and that's really all you can ask for is that you know it's good work and you enjoy it most of the time sometimes it just hurts but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's uh it's definitely it's definitely great and um yeah now i know that you know when i have a dip it's i've you know got people around that I can reach out to and say, Hey, let's, let's figure this new thing out. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just having that network, having those resources. So, so important. Yeah. Yeah. And doing what you love. That's the thing too. It's like, I didn't know if I was going to go back to rowing at all. I, Mm. I had no idea um, if that was going to be the end and just something (laughs) I'm going to get, happy tears now um you know something just brought me back to it and it started one day at a time just saying you know i think i'd like to go go get on the rowing machine and see what happens and so there's there's a reason there's a reason that i'm you know back in the boat and there's something to be said about that right absolutely i'm sure you know you had a lot of anxiety leading up to that but so glad you decided to get back into it and i'm sure it's even more rewarding now than before yeah yeah nice that's that's awesome (laughs) 
Alrighty, well again, we've been chatting with Pearl Outlaw here on Eyes Free Sports, and uh, Pearl, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, and in particular, just being so transparent and willing to share your, your struggles, and obviously so many folks out there, you know, deal with a variety of mental health challenges, some much more than others, um, so really hope your story can help inspire uh, someone to potentially get help or just kind of reevaluate their their situation. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Alrighty, take care. Thanks. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.